Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Good morning, Al. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, Paul. Thanks, yeah. And welcome all to part six, our final part of My Euro Diaries with the Governor, Alan Hudson. Udi, in this one, it's a case of, and we've done this on many of our podcasts, if only, looking back with sighs and regrets, another failure that I just can't forget. Gareth ain't the one, he never turned it on. Southgate got it wrong again. And as Atomic Kitten go back to the category, I think Gareth Southgate is going back to the classroom. And we're going to take a look at yet another England disappointment. So, um, first of all, how are you? And uh, we're going to be talking about the tournament as a general. But first, England's glorious failure again. Well, yes, um, I found found it quite amazing, really, since... um... Since the end of the tournament, since uh, the final at Wembley, that uh, I, I think ma- mainly a lot of people said it to me really don't know too much about football. They're just people in general who said it's lifted the country, lifted the country, and everything else. And but I don't see it that way. I don't. I think we were looking just for something to lift lift us out of the doom and gloom of the last 14, 15 months. It's been horrendous time for many people we've lost a lot of lives and a lot of people have had to change their lives and all that and we're just clinging on to mediocre really it was um exactly you use the word glorious and then you know we were looking for that and and there's such a lack of quality in 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 the tournament in general and uh if england would were not going to win it as hosts uh, this year, especially the, t- the type of draw they were in, that they was on the kind side of the draw, uh, keeping out of the way of uh, the Spanish and uh, the Italians early on, and Portugal and teams like that. Uh, they played a very mediocre, probably the worst German team I've seen f- for many a year. Uh, we were just clutching its straws, basically. Um, I think we still are, and, uh, and you know, before we before we started taping, um, you know, you mentioned about the statue. I, I don't know where a statue comes from. What do you have to do these days to get a statue? You know, we used to laugh at Michael Jackson, uh, uh, statue of Michael Jackson being outside my the team I once supported, Fulham, and I wondered then what was going on. You know, when Prince Fayad uh, had that built up, and now we're doing one Southgate, and it's almost uh, at least Michael Jackson, you know, he recorded Thriller, but there was no Thriller in any of England's performances at all. I thought it was very dismal. Um, and once again, we leave our best player out. You're right. It is absolutely incredible. And we did just talk before we started that I'm drinking my cup of coffee out of my 70s mug with uh, George Best and uh, Alan Hudson on it. And and again, 
although England did lose that tournament, in a way, we did win because had we won, there would have been a statue, there would have been trains, there would have been planes, there would have been everything named after Southgate. The consensus of opinion, the, the, the majority, would be saying, as they did in every game leading up to the final, he got it right. He made big decisions. He got it right. And all along, I've been saying, no, he didn't. He got it wrong. He called it wrong. He's left his best players out. How can you possibly believe that he got it right? That fine margin was just too fine for me. And when he did come up against a good team, because I think you're right, I think the draw was, to put it mildly, very, very kind. When he come up against his only decent opposition, he got found out. He got outcoached. And the boys got outplayed. And the Azori went for it and we sat back. Yeah, they had uh, I mean they were out out fought for forty five minutes in the old tournament really. They uh, as I say, the the opposition was that mediocre uh, all the way through. Um and had we played Greenish or oh, oh, by the way, there is a already an underground station in London uh, called Southgate. Yes, <laughs> but that was before the tournament, wasn't it, Al? Yeah, well, that <laughs> that was where our lo- when I played for Arsenal, that was where the the local uh, Arsenal pub was, the White Hart uh, in Southgate. So he's, it was built long before he was born underground so if he starts thinking and named it after him he can forget it <laughs> but no I make it you know I, I, I just find it very very you know it, it, I tell you what got me more than anything I was more, uh, people spoke to me uh, even before the final and uh, we, we had this discussion and we everyone thinks it was, you know, we just talk about Grealish and things. Well, you've got to talk about, you know, in Northern Ireland, they talk about George Best as the best player ever. Um, and when when you only get a player that comes along every 10, 15 years, uh, you know, even, you know, we, we even, I was very disappointed with Paul Gascoigne, but I know he, he's got a health problem. You yeah. know, he was, we're right behind, I'm right behind Southgate. Well, Paul Gascoigne, of all people, should have been screaming out for Grealish to play, yeah, because uh, he had a bust up with Glenn Hoddle when Glenn Hoddle left him out of the World Cup squad. Uh, rightly so, he should have, he should have, and, and that is the way you should be when you're left out. He's been half trashed his room, so so he said it was said he went into his room. It's about him, him leaving me out for inferior players. Uh, and in a way, you know, I I took it personal from my view as well, the way I was treated. And um, uh, I, I will tell you that I, I met with my friend Lewis the other day and we, we were in the middle of doing something about it, you know, with the FA. You know, I kind of want an apology uh, or even further than that. Uh, it's, it's very complicated. But, you know, you did... Uh, and I, I was very hurt for Jack Green. It's not because... Uh, I think he was the best player. He's our best player. It's because I put you put myself in his position. I, and you told me the story about his father. He went mad. I would imagine my father, and I imagine him being my son. And I would want answers. I would want to know why my son wasn't picked when he's clearly the 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 most fantastic player and best player by a mile that we have in this country. Yeah. Uh, 
is it personal uh, like it was with me uh, we did a podcast the other day with Tony Curry and it was personal Don Revy was personal with him he told a story about he played one game for England under, with Don Revy and he played him in Switzerland mm. and um, he said all I want from you tonight is I want a, a better, a, a much higher work rate, uh, because I think that's your weakness in your game. Uh, I mean, if he thinks he's got a weakness in his game like that, then he shouldn't have picked him. Yeah, uh, he shouldn't have even had him in his squad. And should, but it explained to the country that Tony Curry doesn't work hard enough. They said the same about Letizia. Um He said, "I went to Switzerland. I played in this match against Switzerland. I think we drew nil nil or one two one." One two one. They won two, yeah. but however the game went, he said we came back. He said I worked harder than I've ever worked in a football match yeah. running around, but I hardly touched the ball. Yeah. Uh, he said and I never played again. So it, it was very hypocritical. What he, it was like when he really picked me. He picked. I've always said he, from from words go that he picked me to foul. And that's what he did with Tony Curry, who was the best player in the country at that time. And, and what we're trying to do with that, we, 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 we kind of hang our best players and put them out there. I mean, I, I said it at the time, I, I sat with Don Shanks and we watched uh, him get pulled off after being put on. And, and I thought, what are they trying to do with this kid? They're trying to, not only are they breaking his heart, they're trying to humiliate him as well mm-hmm. to... If I was playing in, if I was playing against, uh, say Leeds United in the in the nineteen seventy Cup final, and they took me off and put a right back on instead of me, I would wonder what's. I would. I would. I, I would have to make a quick decision, and say, well, I'm not coming off because we want to beat this team. Um, you, you can't put a, you can't put a right back on and to stop the opposition. It, it's also negative. Our the negativity is still there, and and to think that you know in the sixties and seventies when when I was brought up, it was all about excitement and the King's Road and the best music and the best actors were down there our matches, and it was all about excitement. But now it's all it's to watch England play is really hard work. Yeah. I only watch it because I do the podcast and I do the show with you. And, and I really want – the only reason I really watch England play is because when I go out and I'm asked a question, I want to I wanna know the answer. Mm-hmm. Wise, I could, be, I could be like the rest of the country. Actually, they're, they're misled. They're, um, we've been misleading this country for so long. And I'm, I'm very disappointed with uh, the, the modern-day journalist. Yep, uh, they can't see it the way Fleet Street used to see it. Fleet, used, Fleet Street used to see the game with a with a right big broad open mind as to who the best players were. All right, they, we didn't always get it, uh, but they knew. And, and when they they question about when Jimmy Greaves didn't play in 1966, uh, and all along, all through all through the years, fifty something years, and I can't believe that we're still doing it. And yet we're building a statue for the manager. And it's just absolutely mind-boggling. It is incredible. And let's just touch upon that media. Um, They have totally been behind Gareth Southgate. Now, I I don't know why, 
because I think the media's job is to question things. I think the panel, who, who's on a TV, their job is to question things. Now, we've had, in terms of that panel, Carolinica and Rio Ferdinand now coming on social media and through the, the papers, questioning Gareth Southgate's tactics. Guys, you were on watching every game with us. You never once questioned it. It's easy to be um, correct and have your views after the game. But we on this podcast, Al, we've called it right from the get-go. You said that it's not going to take much to win this tournament. You're absolutely right. I think it's one of the worst tournaments that I've ever seen. <clears throat> I think the lack of quality was quite incredible. And I think the um, the fact that a goalkeeper has been named player of the tournament just says it all. We, we didn't need to do much to win that tournament. And if you're going to consistently keep your best players on the bench or not pick them, you're going to consistently fail. And people keep saying, well, we've, not, we've never won nothing since 66. And my answer is, well, it's hardly surprising when you don't pick your best players. And you're absolutely spot on. Gareth Southgate, to me, is like Don Revie, but he got away with it. He got the results and Revy didn't. But they've got the same defensive negative mindset. The fact that Revy got the England job, okay, he done brilliant with Leeds and that was a great Leeds team. I think everybody in the country would accept that that Leeds team, even if they were playing now, would be very, very competitive. But when he was the manager of England, he was absolutely awful, again, because he didn't pick his best players. It's incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Um... You know, if it was a film and they were put in, in front of a, a jury, you, you know... You... You want you need to want to you need to know the the answers to the questions mm-hmm. and um I, I'm again gobsmacked that you know they can Southgate can talk he talks so well he yeah. talks so you know he's, he's typical FA uh, everything that comes out of the FA that um, has really really got no passion about. Uh, Great, great players. Is it, you know, is it the def- because he was a defender? Um, our game has gone, uh, it's gone back light years. It's gone back. Uh, I, I was just absolutely astounded the other morning. I, I was speaking to our friend Lewis, uh, Lewis Griffiths, when we was out up in Henley the other day, and I and we were talking about football. And I said, Did you see what was in the newspaper today about Terry Butcher? Terry Butcher said, I'm proud that young kids today want to be brought up as defenders and they'll start wearing Maguire on the back of their shirts mm. and Trippier on the back of their shirts and all this. And I'm thinking, what are these people? To, uh, is everybody, it's like a defender's society. Yeah. You know, I, I think I said, I told you, I said to you some time ago about Peter Shilton. When he played, he won. He, as long as they kept, you know, this obsession with clean sheets. Uh, who ca- who gives a monkey's about clean sheets? As long as you win, um, goalkeepers do. And there's a goalkeepers. Uh, you know, the, these goalkeepers stick together. They want clean sheets. Well, if you played a whole season of clean sheets. It'd be 42 nil-nils. That, that would kill the game. Every, nobody would watch football anymore. Nobody, 
football's all about goals and creating chances and scoring goals. People want to people want to be leading goal scorers. What what happened to the golden boot when Harry had two goals against Ukraine? He got pulled off. Surely, surely, you know. I, I I said to Mick Shannon the other day, what would you have you'd have done if you'd have scored two goals, and they they pulled you off in a big in a big game like that? He says, well, surely they left me on to get my hat trick at least. Yeah. No, he he knew Mickey the same as Kane was would have been so eager to get that third goal, which puts you further in front, and it gives everybody a little more a little bit more confidence, and so. But it was it was a complete opposite. Bring him off. I don't want anyone. To, uh, is he worried about them stealing his glory? I don't know. No, I I, I don't. But for me, and I've all, again, I've always said this as a kid. I like football. Well, I love football, but I watch it to be entertained. I watch it to see players, forward players, get on the ball and do something special that makes me get off my seat and go, wow. And then as a kid, when I used to watch it as a kid, you'd watch Match of the Day, you'd try and you'd put your boots on, you'd try and emulate that. You'd, it's it's what, what we go to football for, goals, excitement, entertainment. I've never gone to a game of football to watch a defender to watch a goalkeeper they are a necessity I, I get that the Italians built their game on the Catanaccio I think that Mancini has improved the Catanaccio he's kept that back door locked he's kept that bolt locked but he's got defenders that play forward he's got defenders that can defend and as soon as they win the ball they give it to football players that can produce the magic higher up the pitch and football ain't rocket science. If you haven't got players with magic dust, you're going to produce no magic. You're going to be very boring. And as a consequence, if all we're going to do is defend, 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 defend and leave our best players out, I don't turn my TV on. I don't go to a game of football because I don't want to watch that. Whether we win or, or not, I'm not interested. It's, 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 I mean, to take it one step further, in, in 1970, in, um, um, the Germans, they had a bit of, bit of a problem. They were still a great nation. Well, they've always been a great nation until quite recent as regards to uh, having the best players, the best, best idea of playing the game. Yeah. Uh, very, so very positive. Well, the greatest masterstroke, uh, I mean, if you look at Helmut Schull and you look at Gary Southgate and you look at Graham Taylor and you look at the Wally, uh, the Wally with the Bromley and the, uh, these people, these managers. and If you look at Helmut Schull, well, Helmut Schull, uh, in, the, in the early 70s, got out of Beckenbauer, who was a great midfield player, the most feared, he was the most impressive player. In, in 1966, he come on the scene. By 70, he, he was, you know, the Charlton, Bobby Charlton thing with him. They had to cancel each other out, as they did at Wembley. Um, well, Helmut Schoen, this is forward thinking. He put Franz Beckenbauer in the back four alongside the big centre of uh, Schwarzenegger, was it? He played him in the back four. Now, as P. Rosgood used to say about me, he said, you couldn't tackle a good dinner. 
And I, I, you know, I always took that, took that as a, I laughed at that, and thought, well, you don't have to be able to tackle if you can, if you can suss out, and if you can just nick the ball. But he put the probably the worst defender in Germany into the back four yeah. and made sure that nobody could mark him. Yeah. That was the whole idea of playing a, the man. And I see years later, I see Glenn Huddle do that when he was playing manager at Swindon, put himself in the back four, and he was just. Well, he, he played at Swindon at Port Bow in, in the second division. Of, uh, and he it, it was just, he was on a different planet. And Chelsea did it with Rude, Rude Hullet. They put him in the back four and he was just in a, on a different planet as well. This is forward thinking. This is putting defense, this is putting great forwards, forward players into defensive positions to give you an extra attacker. Yeah. And now we are, now here we are taking forwards out of our team to put extra defenders in, yeah. and we've gone, we've gone backwards into the, you know, not. I, I, I'm insulting people who lived years and years before us because football years ago was far, far superior to what it is now because everybody had the same way of thinking as you and I. We, they wanted to see forward players, and I, and I, and I, I see something in a. Uh, I was reading something the other day. It was, uh, I think, is that. Um, Alan Hinton in the Alan Hinton book and he said that um, Brian Clough always said look these people you know just like Jock Steen said and Bill Shankly said these people in, in Derbyshire have been working hard all week to come and see you play so make sure you go out there and entertain them exactly what you want to be entertained yeah. and all of a sudden entertainment has gone out the window it's still football is still an entertainment business. People pay good money to watch people be ent- to to be entertained. If I'm paying, if I'm buying a season ticket at Chelsea or Arsenal or Spurs, I want to see the best players on the field. I don't want to see the the, the run of the mill players. And now we're playing in a, as a host nation. We are playing eight defenders to start off the match. Now I, that to me. It's just sacrilege, really. It is. It was. It's really taking defensive football to a new level. I, I, I just and to this statue thing, and uh, it, it, it's again, it's the old, it's the suits at the FA, and and you'll find in day, in in years to come that uh, Southgate will go on to the FA committee because that's where he belongs, really. Absolutely. And going back to Helmut Schoen. Um, and statues, if we want to erect a statue in this country, erect one of Jimmy Hogan, because Jimmy was the fella, the coach, that went throughout Europe and taught them how to play football. He was very instrumental in the um, the Austrian side in, in the 30s with Hugo Meisel, his good friend. He was very instrumental in teaching the Hungarians how to play football, the Dutch how to play football. Uh, in fact, Helmut Schoen was one of his uh, pupils uh, at the School of Dresden, where, uh, again, Jimmy Hogan taught the Germans how to play football. And when Germany played uh, Holland in the 74 uh, Cup final, 
uh, Jimmy was, uh, I, th- I think he passed away that year, and the head of the German uh, Federation sent a letter to his son congratulating uh, his father in teaching Germany how to play football. The only country that Jimmy didn't teach how to play football, surprisingly, was the English, because they always turned their back on him, and his game was built upon his philosophy of going forward, passing, skill and technique, and really we're, we're reaping what we've sown over the years because we've not listened to genial people, we've listened to the likes of Charles Hughes, and our game as a consequence has got worse and worse and worse and more defensive. Well, yeah, I mean, um, it's funny, as you were talking, and I, uh, I, was, talk- I was thinking about George Rayner as well. Absolutely. You know, and when George Rayner... You know, he was he, he was in, involved with uh, some great great players, and he believed in. Uh, he was very very clever tactically, um, but he 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 went for the job w- with Sir Stanley Rouse, I think it was. Yeah. Many years ago, they named a cup after Stanley Rouse for some unknown reason, uh, and he was he was turned down flat about the job and these people because they got and it's all and it's still the same it's because they got uh, their own mind about the game where you're not allowed to have your own mind about you've got to think the FA way you know even to the extent of how could how could the FA uh, here how could the FA give Sam Allardyce the England job I mean, this could have been Sam Allardyce and Southgate running England team together would have been the biggest tragedy of all time. I mean, it would have been we've been like watching a comedy movie, you know, the two unfootball like people running the national country. What happened to what happened to nineteen ninety? Did we not learn from nineteen ninety six with Terry Venables that? You've got to pick your best players. That was the last time that we, we, an England manager, picked the best 11 players. Well, they might not have been the best 11. There might have been one or two defenders that were better than the defenders we had. Yeah. As regards forward thinking and taking the game to the opposition and, and making the most of playing at home, which we did, all right, we, we got played by, we were a bit, a bit I, see, I see the Spanish were a very good side, they, they should have beat us, but that would have been a blimp, but uh, overall, Terry Venables was the only one that fought, fought that way, and yet, obviously, for, for he had his problems off the field, but it's like having a play. They got their they got their faults off the field, but you you got to put them aside and think who's going to be the best man for the job. Um, and if Southgate's the best man for the England job, I mean, what we've just seen, and he's going to take us into the World Cup. Um, he will play. He will be even more defensive, going and playing at the climate like that. I mean, it's just it's just too ridiculous for words how they work. It certainly is, and uh, TV's uh, documentary, uh, absolutely superb. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Alex. It, it, 
I think that the guy was just a genius. I mean, he he done so many different things and off the pitch as well. I didn't realise he co-wrote Hazel that um, that cop series yeah. in the seventies. His fingers were in different pies. And George Rayner, yeah, he was in the uh, the the World Cup final in nineteen fifty eight and couldn't get a job in this country. So he he taught kids how to play football in Butlins in Skegness, like with you, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's where I first come across him. I, I was too young to, to realise who he was, but his name always stuck in my mind. And I remember my father talking to him. Uh, um, it was just, uh, it was incredible, really. It was just, uh, we were down in Skeg, Butlins in Skegness, and my mum was a bingo addict, uh, like Don Revy. Yeah. Um, and... My dad said, "Come on, it was a lovely day. We'll go and get the ball out over over on the green there." And there was a, this old boy where well, he seemed old to me because of my age, and uh, old boy in, a, in an old tracksuit, you know. And and we kind of joined in, and my dad stood on the sideline talking to him, and and uh, my I don't think my dad even realised what this fella had achieved abroad. Uh, but he just said, uh, "There's a, these are my two sons, and you know they're going to be foot players, which we both signed for Chelsea." Um, and then, and then I started to follow what he was all about, and it, it was interesting but, that he come from up near um, Derby Way, Burton Way, and all that. So that kind of with me being in Stoke, I, I, and there was always a great. There's always a great and and all around the Midlands is a great thing about football. You know, they're, they're very, you know, as we spoke with Dennis Mormer the other week, you know, um, another valid point with Dennis, you know, um, he said when we, it was incredible when they had a very, very good team, a, a terrific team, Aston Villa, when they won the European Cup and they, they won the European Cup without having a, one international player in the English international player in their team, which I think speaks volumes for what's going on with, with the national team. Uh, and it applied when we played, it applied, it applied for years after that, that whoever's, whoever, whoever was top of the table and second and third, they were, they were the, they were the actual backbone of the England team. You, If you didn't play for Manchester United or Liverpool, you didn't get in the England team. It was like six Liverpool players and five Manchester United players in the starting 11. And you, nobody else got a look in. It was, uh, and this is, this tells me that the England manager has got a very, very limited uh, view of football uh, because there's better players playing in lesser clubs than there are in the top clubs. You don't, and I, I remember Terry McDermott shouted to Keegan one day about me. He says, when Keegan was falling out with me at Stamford Bridge, he said, tell him to put his medals on the table. Well, medals and caps, you know, I, uh, Peter Shilton got 130 caps or something, and I, I'd be very embarrassed if I got 130 caps and my granddaughter asked me what I won. I, I would be very embarrassed. I'd, I'd have to I'd have to lie to my my granddaughter for the first time and say, "Oh, we used to win that, this and that and the other," just just to keep her off my back, because she would have said, "Granddad, you're a failure." Yeah. Uh, and that's what we've turned out. You know, it's 
Terry Butcher the other day saying about defenders. He got 77 caps. Mm. Now, that, 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 with him having 77 caps gives him the right to come out with a statement like that because people are going to, kids are going to think, oh, he must know what he's talking about. He got 77 caps. What he don't is detrimental to our game. He should, whoever printed that shouldn't have printed it because it's just so detrimental to to, to football itself. It's not detrimental to this country because that's what we become. And, and this is the thing, Al. You know, there's so many players that have that are in this exclusive over fifty caps club for England, and most of them I look at and I think, nah, nah. Nah, nah. Yeah, okay, fair play, great player. But we've we've always gone down that avenue of picking substandard players, and it's the old adage and the old argument that you know we've just sent in the clowns. You know, one of your favourite Frank Sinatra songs. You know, when you look at that Maverick period, that we had so many fantastic players in the golden decade of football. That was the turning point for England. We were World Cup winners. We got to the, the obviously the World Cup in seventy as winners to to defend it. We we were going into a new decade, a new age of football. We got Alan Hudson, we got Tony Curry, we got Frank Worthington, we got Stan Bowles, we got uh, Rodney Marsh and Charlie George, and all these fantastic players on the ball. Yet Revy had a meeting and dismissed every one of them. And he should have been sacked then for crimes against football. And Southgate should be sacked for crimes against football now for not playing Grealish and Foden and all our better ball players and players that can change a game. And I think in that final, he really showed his true colours where he took out Saka. And you're thinking, okay, what match winner are you going to put in place of Saka? And he put a right back. And I thought, just says it all for me about Southgate. And as much as, yeah, of course, it's England, same as with Birmingham. You want them to win their, your team. You actually look at it with a little bit of thinking, do you know what? I hope they actually get beat because if they do get beat, things possibly could change. But if we get, if we win, we won't hear the last of it. Everybody will be convinced that this is the way to play football and it's not. So we did lose, but for me, we won. We're looking to a brighter future because we lost. Now, whether Southgate can change, remains to be seen. I don't think Leopard's change spots. I would like to see the managerial role of England change. Um, how do you see that? And the only problem I have is the manager that I would have would be Pep Guardiola, uh, but we ain't going to get him away from Manchester City. I don't see any English managers that, that I think are good enough to manage England. Back in the 70s, they were 10 a penny. Now they ain't. Well, I, I think all the best, all the best, Joe. I mean, uh, I did that show with Mickey Shannon the other day. He, he, he wanted to be a horse trainer, but had he been an England manager, I think he would have been quite the opposite of Southgate. He would have just he played with Alan Ball long enough at Southampton. And he told me that uh, he thought that Peter Osgood was, for six years, the best centre-forward in the world. Yeah, he couldn't get in on Revy's 80 he collected 80 players one day and he left him out. And 
so I think the best the best managers are those that are out the that come out the game uh, because of the suits. Yep. But going going back a step to what you just spoke about, we're, we're talking about this new talking about these younger players. I thought uh, because of our inferior coaching in this country, yeah. um, I thought about. 12, 14 months, 16 months ago. Um, the kid at Arsenal, Smith Rowe. Good player like him. I thought about 16 months ago, if they if they handled this kid right, he could he could really burst onto the scene. If they let him play, I, I think but Arteta held him back. I see him play in the in the in the uh, in the UEFA Cup one night, in the Europa Cup or something, whatever it is. And uh, I thought, what's he doing to this kid? He, he's, he's holding him back. Mm. He kept passing the ball backwards. Ne- the negativity of it all, like watching England, passing it back, what we do, did in midfield all through the tournament, sideways, sideways, sideways. And I thought they're going to cru- they're crucifying it. Well, this kid should have been in the running to play in this tournament. Yeah. He's that talented. He really is a talented player. Uh, there's shades of a little bit of... He hasn't got the the genius of Gascoigne, but who knows how good he could be if he weren't held back by the modern day coaching. And he would have been up there. And you imagine him in training with Jack and people, you know, and and you think they're going to rub shoulders. And this is the future of English football, mm. but it isn't the future of English football. It's quite the opposite. These people are going to. I think I I, I wouldn't be surprised when. Jack Grealish was injured last year at the end of the season, that Southgate was hoping that he wouldn't get over his injury because there was no way that he wanted him in his squad. He he no way wanted to pick him. And and it was, he he brought him on. And even when he brought him on, you could see that he didn't want him on the field. Uh, And when Jack did prove that he was different class than the rest of the for the for the minutes he had on the field, they said he was a flop against Italy. But come on, what are you going to do in twenty minutes? Exactly. You know, uh, you know it's um, uh, especially against one of the toughest toughest oppositions there are. But um, no, we we, we took the, the the game continues. I mean, Bobby Robson wouldn't have wouldn't have had that. Terry Venables wouldn't have had that. And I I think and even. And Harry Redknapp got the job. I mean, Harry Redknapp was, you know, in Seattle, was assistant manager when I was playing over there. And he then all of a sudden he came onto the scene. He and he's ended up in EastEnders when he could have had the England job. I think Southgate should be in EastEnders, and Harry Redknapp should have the job. That's how stupid it is. It, it, no, I don't think he's stupid. I think that's a great statement. That's, that's, how, stupid, that's how stupid our game has become. It yeah. has become the wrong people are in in the wrong in the right jobs, and it, it's just uh, I can't. I mean, I used to go to West Ham and watch uh, uh, Harry's teams play, and when I was in hospital, over I, I was always over East London. Then I moved there, and I used to go there just to watch Paul Di Canio play. Yeah. And it was Harry would pick the best players, and he would know that the fans at West Ham would love Paulo Di Canio, mm. and he'd become a god over there. And it's like at Villa Park, if if Jack Grealish was to leave Aston Villa, mate, where do they go from there? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Harry Redknapp, is he too old to manage the England team? You know, you hear people say, oh, he's been out of the game for too long. He's too old now. He don't. I think a great partnership would be Harry and Frank taking over the England job and blending a team built on skill, flair. Easy is another player uh, that I like. The boy that was at QPR, he's gone to Crystal Palace. He's injured at the moment, but he's always one that's caught my eye. As is Madison. I think Madison's range of passing is quite phenomenal as well. We've got these players that really are pleasing on the eye, great football players that I tune in to watch. Because I don't tune in to watch teams. I tune in to watch footballers, and footballers produce magic. But... Um, Again, we just need a manager that's got the balls to take that job and make it their own and pick their own players. Because I'm still convinced that um, they're not wholly responsible for the players that they pick. I think the FA have always poked the noses where they shouldn't. And I think that they'll continue to do that. We should have had Cluffy, who uh, put them in the right place. I think Harry and, and Frank would be a good fit for England. What's your take on that, Al? Well, the only, the only the only negative thing about that would be with Frank was uh, he was trying to buy Declan Rice. He won. Yes. Yeah. He was. He needed. Uh, he never got round to buying him in the end because of the, uh, the transfer problem at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to sign players, but that would have been his player. But and I don't know if Frank is really. Um, I love Frank, and I loved him as a as a as a player, and I think he's going to be a top manager one day. But um, uh, what you have to understand, and what a lot of people don't understand, and that this is uh, this is probably not exaggerating. Probably ninety five percent of people in in this in the world maybe don't understand that there's a big difference between a club player and an international player. Yeah. When you when you step up to that level, uh, and you have to you you really have to add to play the game to understand this. Yeah. Unless you're uh, unless you're that bright, uh, and I found out I found out by playing, and I found out by playing against Johan Cruyff that there's certain levels of football, mm. and when you're picking inferior players. Uh, and I don't really want to go into the names of, of the yeah, past. Absolutely. And we've got 60, 70 caps who really wouldn't get a game in my pub team. Yeah. Um, I played against Johan Cruyff. And when I played against Johan Cruyff, uh, firstly for Ajax in Amsterdam and then uh, in the NSL, this fella was on a completely different level. Yeah. Now, you can't you can't put people like... Declan Rice on the same field and expect to get a result. Mm. They're 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 just on a different level and 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 Frank Frank kind of uh, I agree with you entirely. I think Harry Harry would have been a great England manager, uh, far better manager than he actually was a club manager yeah. because I think Harry understood and he and he sees so many uh, top players and he he obviously. He knew all. He, he played with Bobby Moore. He played with Jeff First. He played with Martin Peace. So, so he knows what the qu- kind of quality you need to win a World Cup. Uh, he would have been right up there. I do agree that Frank would have Frank would have been uh, a good coach for him. Mm. Um, but uh, Frank uh, Harry would have had to get it across to him that 
you know, that because Frank Frank was a kind of player, the same as Steve Gerrard. When they were tremendous, tremendous club players, but when they played for the national team, they couldn't step up. I can remember them playing against Andrea Perlo one night for Italy, and they didn't know what day of the week it was. Yeah. Um, and that is a difference between club football and international football. There's club, there, there's international players, there's club players, and the and the the greatest example of England having having them kind of players is people like Alan Ball. Yeah. Alan Ball was exceptional club player and he was an exceptional international and, and players like that are very rare mm -hmm. but now we come to the stage here now where we are putting average not even top club players into the national team yep. and we are trying to that's why we had eight of them on the field in the final on home on our home soil you know, when you're playing at home in a, in in a, they say it's a great advantage. Well, we didn't use our advantage to our. We should have played with a back four or back five, and the rest go and take the game to Italy because Italy were not. They didn't have a Paulo Rossi in their team. They didn't have a great goal scorer in their team. They had Kielso that was kind of flitted in and out, but they wasn't the most creative team. They were there. Italy there were to be taken by the players that we had on the bench. Yeah. And he couldn't see it. Yeah. Now, yeah. if you're the England manager and you couldn't see, like Germany, I mean, we, we, we fumbled about against Germany until Jack came on. Yeah. He brought him on and he, 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 didn't, he didn't make the first goal. But he, he had the he, he took the initiative. He had the ball on the edge of the box and he slid it to shore. And then he made the second goal for Harry. And Harry must have been thinking, "God, if only he'd been playing all tournament, I'd have scored about twenty goals here." Yeah, you know. And it was, you know, it's too uh, it's too ridiculous for words. And f and as for the FA, there should be an inquiry as to them giving out jobs to people and to give him an extension on his job for another year before the German game was something like letting, say, catching Jimmy Savile and not putting him in prison. Yeah. Because that that is just against the law. You know, it's it, why, how can you give a man extension on his contract before he plays one of the biggest games that we've ever had at Wembley? It's incredible. I mean, he was given an extension before the tournament started, whereas the Germans, they'd got rid of Joachim Love. Um, and, and replaced him with Ansi Flick before the tournament. And I think when you do that in both camps, I think you would stabilise it. You're as good as your last game, and that's how England should go on and should play, and play your best players. Even if a player, if you think a player is international level at 17 or 18, for me, you pick him. If he's the best that you've got, you're looking to build for the future. Sadly, they're always looking to win a game, win a game, win a game, and win it at all costs. Well, that ain't progression for me. Progression is playing your best players, whatever age they are, put them in a position that you know that they can flourish, they can blossom, they can bloom, and go with them, win, lose, or draw, and try and play football on the front foot in an attractive sense and entertaining the crowd. And I think if you do, the crowd will back you, or I certainly will. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, 
I've uh, it it uh, all the talk of fathers well, this uh, competition was about all these young players we got. You know, we yeah. that we could never be in a better position going into a tournament, and uh, that was that was kind of miss the again they misled the the public in in thinking that they're going to play these these good young players, and they didn't. I mean. And what they do, I mean, I mean, quite astounding to me. I couldn't believe, you know, you know, with young Saka, they 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 put so much pressure on this kid. Mm-hmm. Jack was Jack Grealish was the one player that wouldn't have felt the pressure. Yeah, he was the one player in this country that was really looking forward to to this tournament and taking defenders on and beating defenders and. And as regards the penalties, you know, Jack would have relished walking up where Saka looked frightened out of his life. Yeah. And it was just, and for Southgate to pick the penalty takers, well, I've never heard of anything like it. Mm. Whenever we played, whenever we played, the manager used to say, who's confident, who's confident enough to take one? Who wants to take it? And then people have put their hand up. It's like going back to 1996, it was quite clear. Paul Lynch made it very clear he didn't want to take it. And ironically, who took who took it? But Southgate. Yep. Uh, and it's kind of history repeating itself in a kind of stupid way. But you do not you do not say who takes a penalty. Say you don't want to take one, and he says you you're taking one. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's, if the game's going well, and I've been I play games where I've played out of this world, and I've also played games where I've played. Diabolical. It just weren't my day, and for whatever reason, things weren't going my way. And if I was told that I had to take a penalty when things weren't going my way, I'd have said, "Count me out." Yeah, hundred percent. I don't want to take one because I've got no confidence. My, yep. my, my confidence gone, you know. And uh, this is what we found. Yeah. And why? Why put that young kid up there? Incredible. Again, bad management. And through doing the podcast with you and TC, I've understood the importance of good management, understood the importance of club players versus international players and players that are good enough to cut the teeth on the stage and others that aren't. Finally, Al, let's look at players that caught your eye and let's try and pick uh, a UEFA 11 from the tournament that we've seen. I think he was pretty poor, if I'm honest, but there are certain players that caught my eye and when these players are playing for the club sides, I'll tune in to see uh, to see how they're doing because they have some of them have got you know that that stardust that magic dust that they can spray on any pitch that they uh, they turn up and play on. So uh, who would your goalkeeping choice be? Al? Well, I'd have to stick with uh, the Italian. I think he's uh, he's very new on the scene, but um, I, I think he'd have, he'd have had to be my choice. And I think when it comes down to penalties, it proves that you know. Yeah, Donnarumma, my choice as well. Are you going to be playing a back four or a back five? How are you going to line your defenders up in this? Well, I think, I think in the modern, I think in the modern, in the modern game, I, I, I think I'd go with a. I, I would always. I mean, my idea of playing the game is four-two-four going into four-three-three. Yeah. Uh, going into four-two-four going into four-four-two with the. But in the modern day game, you know, after watching the way Klopp did it for Liverpool. And you, if you have the right players in the right uh, in the right uh, system, mm-hmm. 
I mean, the way Liverpool won the league with the two full, full-backs going forward, the, the front three that they had. I mean, Harry Kane, if he played for Liverpool that year, would have scored about 50, 60 goals, I would think. 100%. You know, uh, and here we had picking full-backs that get to the byline and come back. Yeah. It... It just, uh, it just, I, I, I don't, I can't see what's the point of fullbacks getting there and then stopping, then coming back and then going across to the other side. Mm. Uh, it, it, it takes patience to, to, to a new level, you know. Yeah. So, what's your, what's your back four or your back five then? Um. The, the, it's very, very. I, I would have, I would have talking about the way um, uh, Helmut Schulm played with um, Beckenbauer. It was, it was perfect to, for us to play someone like that at the back yeah. to, to pull someone into into the back five. We didn't need three. We didn't we need two centre halves or three centre halves or so many defenders because there was such a such a lack of quality in in every team in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, which it showed because Ronaldo left the tournament early on as the leading goal scorer with five, yeah. which which told the, the whole story on its own. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't need so many defenders. What we needed was defenders that could who were good going forward. Yeah. Because you know, if you think back to 1970 and playing against Brazil, then you got you got to make sure that you've got the best defenders around on the field. But this was this this was quite the opposite. You didn't really need great defenders on the field or or top defenders or or, or in Southgate's case, which he did too many defenders. Yeah. Because there wasn't there wasn't the attacking the. Attacking force of of the other teams and and uh, you know the, there was such a lack of quality in in attacking the areas you know and that is why I mean moving forward very quickly into the top the other half of the field you yeah. know if you had if uh, we're going to go on to later on we're going to Lewandowski my God you know if you're playing against him then you want to make sure that you've got two centre half just in case once call our position that the other one are going to get him in the air or on the floor because this geezer was sensational playing for Scott, for, for Poland um, but they, they were so few and far between in this tournament yeah my the defenders that caught my eye and the way that I would play is I'd have the two Italians Benucci and Cellini as as the bedrock of my team they would uh, I mean <laughs> students of the Catanatio system and there's very little that gets past those two they literally do bolt that door so those would be my two centers and my fullbacks I'd really push my fullbacks on my team is all about going forward and attacking the one fullback that really caught my eye uh, right back was the fella that played at uh, Holland Dumfries I thought whenever he played, he looked superb and he's one that, that caught my eye and I'd like to take more looks at, at him. There's, there is uh, talk that he, he may be coming over to the Premier League and you know that remains to be seen. But he, he did catch my eye and I thought that he looked a really useful player. As I did Shaw, I thought Luke Shaw, I like this spindle, well, Spinazzola. 
I thought that he, he looked a terrific player. But I'd question whether I'd play him as a right-back because he's brilliant at getting forward. But when he gets to them forward positions, he has to check back, usually, onto his right foot because the, the left foot, usually, is just to stand on. Yeah, OK, he did put a few crosses with that left foot, but he's not comfortable. So I would have put him on the other side. And I think that Luke Shaw, I thought, had a terrific tournament, got forward, bombed forward, and put some great balls into the box. And that's what I think fullbacks should be doing delivering them balls like as you said Liverpool fullbacks did well I think uh, I think if you hit it on the head to, uh, in the, the case of Luke Shaw he's been improving all year since uh, he had trouble with Marino um, he's come on leaps and bounds I've always thought this kid's got a, a great future in front of him I always thought he looked apart without he always looked an unhappy player to yeah, me yeah he did um and he was a little bit overweight, and he never looked—he he never looked—he never looked happy at all. And, and all of a sudden, uh, once again, showing the, the lack—the lack of uh, quality that Southgate picked. He was our most outstanding player throughout the tournament. Yes, I agree. And for and then when you're right back or fullback is the best player in the team. Yeah, you've got to ask the problem. You've got to ask the question. Yeah, hundred percent. What is going? What is going on? Uh, if you get the Dutch, you get the Spanish, you get the Germans, all the great teams, the Brazilians. Well, their fullbacks were never the best players. You know, you'd have to you'd have to rack your brains to find out who they were. But to come out straight away and say uh, Shaw was our best player, that tells you everything about our conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, I, 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 had, I, I thought he got it wrong. By the way, when Shaw played with, so I, I thought, I thought he was going to pick uh, recent. I thought he was going to pick well. the Chelsea yeah, fullbacks. Oh, yeah, to be fair, I really did. No, because they both had great seasons yeah. at Chelsea. Uh, but Shaw, being a Manchester United player, I suppose I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, he's got his own reasons for whoever he picks. But um, it turned out that it suited him. Yeah. You know, years ago you wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't be the same because other teams would have wingers. You got. You got to remember with these defenders. When they say these defenders have had great tournaments, same as the centre centre halves. They've had nobody to mark. Yeah. There hasn't been a centre forward in sight that they've had to mark. If, yeah. and even if Spanish, who were the, who were the best, who put in the best performance of this. Uh, of the tournament against the Italians, I thought, uh, which we'll go on to in a minute, in midfield with Bouquets. I thought his first 45 minutes against the Italians was something else, you know. Different was, class. Yeah. You know, if you're going to watch a kid, if you're going to send the kids to, to watch a footballer, then you you would say watch him and not not Rice and uh, Phillips. You know, it would be quite the opposite. And I'm sure Grealish would have been sitting there thinking, oh, I'd love to play against this fella to, just to see how good I am. You know, it would have been a great test for him. But that that weren't to be. And I think he were lucky to avoid Spain. Otherwise, it would have been an embarrassing final. Uh, but, but going back into defence, as I say, I'd, I'd, I'd have looked to probably pull someone back into the back four. Um Probably Rice might have been that player. Yep. He's not a midfield player for me. Uh, you know, if he if he he's got the experience of playing in midfield for West Ham, he's played there a lot of times. But I think 
He could be. He could have been the one that comes out the back with the ball because he couldn't go too far forward with it because he didn't while he was in midfield. Yep. But having said that, I've seen him get forward with West Ham. Is it the manager telling him not to go too far forward? Don't go too far over the halfway line. Mm. You know, otherwise we'll only have seven defenders uh, behind you. You know, but you got to ask all these questions. Uh, but there, you know, again, uh, I'd pick my I'd pick my team from the front rather than say the goalkeeper and go forward. I would pick, probably pick my best players from the front and then work backwards and yep. think, look at the opposition and say, well, who are we playing today? Who, who's going to give us trouble? Mm. There weren't many players, really, who, you know, as I said, if we'd have played Poland, that you know, there'd only been one man to look out for. Uh, if we'd have played Portugal, as long as you keep Ronaldo quiet, you, you were, had a big chance of winning. I, uh, talking about the best defenders, I think Pepe for Portugal was superb, apart yeah. from one game when they let four goals in, but that two of them were own goals, and it was kind of that they had a little tragic half an hour yeah um but overall i thought he was uh, absolutely brilliant in defense uh and a credit as a 38 year old yeah i see him play at stanford bridge sir in milan one night i think it was against drogba and my god this this gives that he's still playing and he's like the fellow that plays uh plays at chelsea now at the back they're so, they're, yes. you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're, the, they're defenders that you you tell the youngsters to watch. You don't coach defenders. You just uh, you just say watch him and watch watch what he does and the way they move, the, the way they read the game. Um, all right, it comes with experience, but uh, this this Pepe was uh, terrific for Portugal. It's just just a shame that um, the fellow at Manchester United like Pogba. Fernandes didn't didn't turn up again. They didn't turn up in the Europa League final. They let Manchester United down, and, and they both let their, their countries down. Yeah, it's quite incredible. Um, let's go through the midfield three, where this is your uh, area of expertise. Al, what three midfield players uh, caught your eye? Well, as I say, I, I think Bouquet was uh, quite outstanding. Yeah, uh, I've watched him play a few times, but never, never seen him as good as what he was yeah, in this particular in, in, in this particular match. I've I've always thought, well, in the Spanish league, you can get away with it, you know, because they give you that little bit more space and time. But uh, Italy didn't give him any space and any time, and he was getting out of situations, out of tight situations, which tells you that you can play at that level. Yeah. I thought he was superb, absolutely. All right, they closed him down. The manager, Mancini, said to him at half-time, you've got to get closer to this fella and stop him. But the damage could have been done then. Yeah. But he showed he showed everything about a midfield player and uh, against... And he nearly won it for him as well. He, you know, hit one from the edge of the box. It just scraped the bar. Yeah. And that could have been Spain through instead of Italy, which would have given us an even sterner test in the final. I think it could have been embarrassing for England, actually, if Spanish had got through. Yeah. Uh, uh, other players alongside him, obviously, this is going to sound quite ridiculous, but I don't, Grealish is as good as anyone I've seen in midfield in this tournament. Yeah. And the little flashes of him when he came on proved that. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't see any any 
team from any any other country that had a player with the kind of great great ability uh, who, who could give uh, defenders the kind of problems that Grealish gives you. Yeah, you know. Um, so I think in playing alongside Bouquets would have been quite a, quite a dream, really. Uh, and I, I don't believe in I don't as I say in in the modern day football I don't believe in this holding day modern no I don't no. Um, unless unless it's uh, unless you've got a little Conte in there mm. uh, I, I you know I like him because I think they play, they they managers look at him and they play him in the wrong way Frank Lampard played him the wrong way and I, I think it might have gone a long way to getting the sack. Mm. Um, he played him out of position. He didn't play in a position. Well, he played for Leicester. Uh, Ranieri played him in, in the position that he's good at. He just let him do what he wanted to do. And the fella proved it by going on to win the league with Leicester and then winning the World Cup with France. Yeah. So he must have been the right man to do the job. Yeah. Because he did it without, with no, absolutely no, no problems at all. He just did it as if it was... You know, like like a little kid at school, and you think, "Oh, this kid can play." You know, and we haven't even said anything to him. Yeah, he's an absolutely dream for a manager. Uh, and yet, you know, as I say, he done everything with with simplicity. Whereas we make the game look so very difficult. Yeah. Um, and that is our problem. You know that, is, and that is why we go. That's why we pass the ball sideways so yeah, much. Absolutely, because we don't see anything going forward. Well, Conte is not like that. Mm. Conte gets into forward positions, and then he releases it to forward players. He isn't no, he isn't no Jack Grealish, but how many are there? Yeah, hundred percent. So, would Conte be your third choice, or was there any other midfield players that that caught your eye out? Well, I, I, I would pick Kante only because uh, yeah. I wouldn't, I would, not on the, his performances uh, in this tournament, but uh, I must say that, uh, you know, when you when you looked at, uh, again, as I said about the tournament being a bit second rate, when, when, you think, when you find that people like Modric was still playing, I think, you know, he's passed his sell by date, he's been a great player. Tony Cruz with Germany, they look second rate, they look... Mm. It told you that these nations haven't got anything coming through. Or the manager hasn't got the balls to put them players coming through instead of those players that have done it for them before. Well, yeah, mm. but uh, I, think with, I think with the Germans, you know, they've never been afraid to put young players in there. Yeah. Uh, when you see Thomas Muller go through with uh, the goalkeeper to beat against us, you know, five years ago, that would have been dead and buried. 100%. You know, uh, but there's so many players that the that, that game, you know, where Portugal is a fantastic, phenomenal player, Ronaldo, but he was looking up at times wondering where's the help going to come from? Yeah. Where, where, you know, he must have been saying, although I played with this I've heard so much about him at Manchester United, Fernandes, and I said, I said to my friend, because we backed Portugal and he backed in a double to be top goal score with Ronaldo and I said all we all we need to do is he needs to pull Fernandez out of his out of the team and, and, and then we got half a chance here because the fella is a liability. Yeah. 
and it proved so many times he, he was getting away with his all, all the all the plaudits he got with Manchester United he got away with and he was picked for all the wrong reasons his, his manager should have spoke to him beforehand see how his mind was you know are you are you up for it are you ready for it, it you know Carl the clowning on the clowning around on the head uh, falling over making out you're injured when you're not and all that kind of stuff he's got a bad name over here already yeah uh, and if he'd have played in in our day, when he wriggles around on the floor today, in our day, he would have been wriggling around on the floor and wouldn't have got up. Yeah. He would have been really hurt because that, that weren't allowed, you know, in our day. Football's gone to a new level of cheating, you know? Yeah. How about Verratti and Jorginho, another pair of midfield players that really caught my eye, and as did Barella for Italy. I really enjoyed watching the uh, the Italians boss the middle of the park, and um, and Spain. I mean, Spain, although they only really turned up in that one game against Italy, again got some tremendous players that are so comfortable on the ball, and you can just see the gulf in class between them. And England, can't you? Yeah, I think uh, when you say they stepped up against uh, Italy, they certainly did. And I think, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, every four years or every two years, and, and we say, you know, you start judging teams when they get out of the group. England are always a team that gets out of the group and don't go any further. Yep. Uh, you know, where other teams blossom when they come out of the group, they get that. Now we're out of the group, we're safe, we can hold our heads up and now go out and play a bit. Yep. And I think that's what the Spanish done. Um, and they've done, they've done it brilliantly against the Italians. Uh, but we kind of, we come out of the group and we got more defensive yeah. to hold on to yeah, what we've got already, mm-hmm. you know. And it's almost to say that, look, we've got the last two games at Wembley, make sure we get there because, you know, we ain't going to sell no tickets kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it was for all the wrong reasons because we got there and I remember turning up to the final uh, where me and Dom were in the Grosvenor Casino and us turning around and looking at each other in absolutely amazement when he uh, picked all them defenders and we just couldn't believe it. And, and we had to get we had to get up and talk about it. And I said to Don, "You talk about it, mate. Mm. I don't want to talk about it because you know there's not really anything to talk about." I couldn't get up and talk about if Grealish was playing. I was just say, "Well, what's this fellow tonight? Just watch him. This is a, this is his kind of game. He's a big match player. He will love playing in this match tonight, and he will be the difference between the two teams." Instead, I'd have had to start talking about players that. We're not really worth talking. There was nothing to talk about, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. It, again, a case of if only. And the stage was set at Wembley for Jack Grealish, the King of England, to go and uh, crown us European champions. But again, sadly, Southgate never had the balls to do that. Never once did he really try and win the tournament or games. He went out there not to lose the tournament and games. And he um, he just got found out in, in at the 11th hour. Your three forwards, Al. Um, let's talk about the central striker that I, think, I don't think there's any question. The greatest, I'd say the greatest centre forward on the planet at this moment in time, uh, Robert Lewandowski. Oh, uh, without a doubt, mate. Without a doubt, I think I think uh, I see him in a different light. I've always thought, well, you know, 
he's played for Bayern Munich when they've been winning things over the years and has always had, you know, the likes of Robin there. Uh, great, they, they've had some great players in that Bayern Munich side, but he played for a Polish side, that's, which really, without him, they would have been coming home a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. And I see in his last two performances, they were 2-0 down, he scored two magnificent goals and... And then he he kept them in the, another game, and it was they they kind of went out, you know. It was, I was I was choked that they got they got beat only because of him. Yeah. But put him in one of those other sides. Put him in one of the top top sides, the Italians, the Spanish, even to the extent I'm I'm not calling us a top side, but he he wouldn't have stood if he played for England. He wouldn't have stood for Southgate. Yes, he just said, "I'm, yeah. I'm not coming. I'm not coming in my own half and picking it up and all that. I'm going up front where I can hurt people." He says, "Where, where, where I frighten the life out of defenders. I'm not going to frighten the life out of defenders in my own half." And that, that was what he's all about, and that is why his goal scoring record is second to none. Um, but it's, it, it was more than that. It was his leadership, uh, like Ronaldo is with Portugal. He, you know, everything he did, you could see on his face, you know, they got that winning mentality, which they're used to. Uh, and they're just fantastic at what they do. But he's a very big man. He's 6'2", 6'3". Yeah. He's got a terrific touch. He's good, he's good on the ball. Uh, but he's so clever. You know, his movement, which we never... Uh, I was, again, the pundits on television, they should have, they should have get at, at a clip of quarter an hour of Lewandowski and, and said, for all you want to be centre-forwards out there, this is the way to play centre-forward. You know, he was magnificent. And we're going to take a further look at uh, Lewandowski in September because, of course, England go to Poland. Um, OK, we have played Poland in qualification groups since 1973. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> God, that, that is a banana skin, if I've ever seen a banana skin game. And, of course, England have got to go to Hungary, which is the next game. I think a full capacity crowd at Hungary. Hungary proved in this tournament, yeah, they do lack quality, but they don't lack heart. And I think that if England go there thinking they're in for an easy ride, I think that they can come unstuck against Hungary, come unstuck against Poland with Lewandowski, because let's not forget, he didn't play in the Wembley fixture, but um, he will be up chomping at the bit. And he could even be a Manchester City player at the time. And if he's not, he might be just saying, hey, have a look at what you've missed out on. Bang, bang, bang. Good night, Vienna. Well, yeah, I mean, and there'll be... uh... The crowds will be back to kind of something like normal. Yeah. Um, England, may, in the main, have uh, played at Wembley, so their their chances their chances of winning will diminish. I think. Yeah. You know, I, I I said from the beginning they could win this competition because the lack of the lack of uh, quality in the other teams, uh, but one or two teams stood up and, and showed how good they were, but. Um, and I, and I I also think the World Cup will not will, will won't be that great. But go, go, going back, um, yeah, I mean the Hungarians. Who who knows? You know, is was this a was this a stepping stone for the World Cup for for some of these teams? Were, was were they were they going to say, look, this is your last hurrah to people like uh, 
cruise at Germany. If yeah. you don't, if you don't do it here, you won't be in the World Cup. Absolutely. Uh, and and again, our little friend uh, with Croatia, you know, they've yeah. been great players. It could be, it could have been their last hurrah, you know, because they might have looked at the competition and said, well, we've seen England play. You know, they're the host nation. We've got nothing to fear, uh, especially if we score first. And uh, England had the luxury, really, of scoring goals at the right time that give them the opportunity to defend even more. But if they had gone 1-0 down against Italy, uh, it might have been a different game. They had went down. They, were, they scored three goals in the first five minutes of three matches, which mm. really didn't help their situation. Because it didn't help the entertainment, didn't help the, the viewer. Because all we knew then that they were going to try and hold on to the match, and that's no way to play. That's like you only do that when you're in the FA Cup and you're a third division team going to Anfield. Yeah, absolutely. When you when you're matching up like for like, you should never go. Well, my opinion is my philosophy. You should never go and approach a game like that. And I think you should never get spanked when you're playing against uh, like-minded and like-talented uh, teams and individuals. <laughs> the two players um, that would. Uh, assist and um, play up front with Lewandowski. Who are your final two picks, uh, Al? Uh, well, it's a shame um, that I, I uh, I've looked I've looked around. I, I'd have played I'd have played Kielsa, I think. I, you know the two or three flashes I see him see to him again. He was playing in a team that. Uh, you know, they weren't really, uh, the Italians are not very attack-minded either. But they, in the first two games, I think they scored six goals yeah. in, in Rome. But after that, it was kind of going back to the Italian way. And I think the Spanish put the fear of God at them. They were playing them in the first half. You know, and that's the full call. We got better to step our, step our game up. But uh, they still weren't very attack-minded. And you see, I, in, in fact, in the final, I couldn't see how they were going to get a goal. They... But they didn't have too many players with such with great imagination. You know, if 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 Jack would have been uh, uh, Italian, you know, they were looking for someone to open the door and yeah. find a way through the England back eight. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I'd have, I'd have picked Kielsa. I think he'd be a great player playing off Lewandowski anyway. Um, I couldn't see too too many. Uh, you must have someone on your mind that uh, you can enlighten me with. Yeah, I enjoyed watching um, Lorenzo Insigne from uh, from Italy. I thought he had quite games against Spain and then um, when he played in the final, if I'm absolutely honest. But I think the, the, the problem Italy had with Spain was a little bit like watching, um, uh, was it... Uh, Bassett, was it Harry Bassett, the England football manager, when um, it, it was it was the fella that used to do the chase, he was in it, um, Bradley, Bradley Walsh, Walsh, when he forgot yeah. to get, do you remember he forgot to get the balls, and he's gone, go, go out there and get the balls off there, them kids have got a ball, them Spanish kids, and he couldn't get the ball, and he says, you know, forget it, forget it, and and I thought that, it, that reminded me of, uh, of that scenario, when Italy were trying to get the ball off Spain, and they just couldn't get the ball, they were so good at retaining possession of the ball, um, but and, and as a consequence, they didn't get the 
ball to Insignia enough, but I would play Insignia in a different way. I'd play him more in uh, and getting him on the ball in central areas because he reminded me very much of Jack Grealish. He scored a wonder goal against Belgium and I did post up. You know, we've got a player like that with that amount of ability who's capable of taking the ball on the half turn, running at defenders, scoring world-class goals. The only difference is... Gareth Safegate won't pick him. His name is Jack Grealish. So I, yeah. I would put Insignia, a little uh, uh, player that plays for Napoli, been there for many years. Um, I heard a great story about when he was at some, I think he was at some traffic lights. My friend who was a big uh, fan of Italian football, he was in the car with some relatives, wind the window down. No, 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 no. Shoot her up at him, wind the window down. Jewelry, thank you very much. By the way, Lorenzo, all the best for Sunday with big Napoli fans. <laughs> and he said, that's just Italian football. And you think that he's going to get phased with a guy that's drinking 20 pints of cider, sticks a firework up his ass, and storms the gate. It's a different grave, different level of player in Italy. So, uh, yeah, Insignia, it would be my uh, final choice there. And when Napoli play, I should be tuning in just to watch Lorenzo. I think he's a, a box of tricks and a magician, my kind of player. Well, I, I think, it, yeah, I mean, I I, I get, um, I, I was kind of uh, watching Italy in, with di- through different eyes, I suppose. Yeah. I was watching, uh, I was um, wondering uh, through seeing how they scored six goals in the first two games. And I, I think uh, probably in, in the, a lot to be said for it was uh, the, the manager must have thought, oh, yeah, we've got, got a chance of winning this. Let's not go gung-ho and leave ourselves open. Uh and I think they were a little bit. I think the the the, the final we didn't see the best of Italy because of the early goal. Yeah. And uh, very unlike it, Italian defending to let us in like that. Uh, and and it was the worst kind of goal that could have happened because it was two two English defenders. I mean, Harry started to move off, but two English defenders uh, one set it up and the other one, you know, the ball could have went anywhere, but. It, as we said, it was Shaw's, Shaw's competition. I think he was as good as anyone in it, any defender in it. Uh, so I was pleased that anyone scored, he did. Um, and when you think that Harry was chasing the golden boot and he got the, didn't have a shot in the final and Shaw scored, just for that says it all. But um, yeah, I'll bow down to your insignia because I, I think um, we need and that we, we, you know, that well, I think we've got a good kind of balance there as well. Um, because we we we've got the the two fullbacks bumping on, uh, we pull back. If we do play Rice, we play him centre half. But I'm sure there's another player in the competition uh, that would have done that role a lot better. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of a a a. a I always use Beckenbauer as a, the great example of the as the great defender. You know, Bobby Moore was a great defender, but Beckenbauer was that little bit extra when he come out and mm-hmm. played in his natural role of, you know, starting. Where the, the 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 thing when he in '73, I think it was when him and Gunter run the midfield at Wembley and made us look second rate. You know, yeah, '72 um, wasn't it? The Nations Cup quarter final. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something that was something a bit. That was an education for people like me. Yeah, and. Uh, and, you know, it's them kind of games and them performances that 
they should put them games on telly and uh, instead of Terry Butcher saying we all want to be defenders, they should put that game on and say, you know, say this is how to play the game in the other team's half. Although they started it deep in their own half, so by the time they got in the other team's half, you know, England didn't know what day of the week it was, really. No, absolutely. <clears throat> but, you know, I'm sure there were players in a tournament that didn't play up to their best. Yep. Ronaldo was very disappointed with his team. Uh, but you'll find, as I said earlier on, I, I can only think that a lot of these teams were, you know, with the pandemic and everything else, what, where are we going to play? It was a little bit all over the place. Um, and by the time, you know, the managers got, got whatever players they got together, I, I think they were going to say, well, we'll get through this. Let's see who's, who, who, who's going to be ready for the next World Cup. Because a lot of them players, the best players in the tournament, were overage. Yeah. You know, will Will Lewandowski play in the next World Cup? It's only a year away. Will he play? You never know when he's going to hang his boots up. He's not the kind of player that's going to run around forever. Mm. You know, waiting for people to to create something for him. Because even now, he's making his own chances. Yeah, I think the nice thing about the next World Cup is it's only eighteen months away. So I think you're right. Some of them are going to you know, not play. Some of them would play, but, you know, Lewandowski, Poland have got to qualify and England and Hungary are in that group. So uh, perhaps Poland's best chance of getting to the next World Cup in Qatar is through a playoff system. But, hey, we never know. They are banana skins. England, I know I've seen the, the betting England are second favourites to win it in Qatar. And I said the other day, oh, yeah, hang on a minute, we ain't qualified yet. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let's get, let's, let's, let's walk. Then let's jog, then let's run, and then let's sprint. We're going from like sitting down to sprinting. Let's just yeah. wind our necks in a bit, guys. We've yeah, got well, a we lot were, of well, qualification I mean, games. Yeah, and we were hoping, really, weren't we, that we'd have a new manager uh, after the tournament, uh, but that weren't to be. No, we need. We really do need a, 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 a new broom to sweep this out of the way, you know, because England. If we're going to have the same attitude going into Qatar, it's, it's just going to be, you know, especially with the heat, it's going to be so boring. It's going yeah. to be even worse than what we've seen. Uh, and who knows in 18 months what, are, what other players are going to come through for other nations. Exactly. It's, no good look, it's no good looking at England and saying, well, we've got young kids coming through now. We've just seen this new crop. Well, this new crop haven't even been considered. So it's no good coming through and thinking you're going to play for England. And uh, if I was, when I was 17, uh, six months later, I was kind of earmarked to get. You know, Ramsey said there's no, there's, you know, no limit to what he can achieve. So I kind of took that I was going to be in the next World Cup squad. Mm. I got injured, but at least I knew if I did get in a World World Cup squad, I'd have had a chance of playing. Yep. Um, but. Lo and behold, when Jack came back after 12 games and he was injured, it was a perfect time for him to get injured and get over it because he'd come back and he's, he's at a... When you're out for three months, you know, you're raring to go again and he was fit as, as, fit as he's ever, you've ever seen him. He was ready to go. You could see him buzzing, just warming up. You see, just see by the look on his face, it was... The look, the look you want on every player's face when they're going to, yeah. not when they're coming off the bench, but when they walk. He's got the same look as when he comes out every week as captain in Aston Villa, and 
you know, you you think everything that Dean Smith did for him at Aston Villa, Gary Southgate has taken away from him in North England. Absolutely. He must, he, he must be thinking, what is going on in the football world? You know, I'm, I'm playing under this. It was like me with Waddenham, really. I, I played under a dream manager at Stoke, and then I, when I picked in the national squad with Revy, and I, you're, it's like, you know, they got this disc, uh, discrimination thing at the moment. It's like it was like that, mate. Is, is this racial? Is this if your face fits? Uh, it, you, you go, a lot of things go through your mind, and then at the end of the day, Jack's got a big decision to make. Uh, do I do I bother anymore? Do yeah. I want to be? Do I really want to be insulted? Do I really want to be embarrassed? Mm. Am I turning up uh, and and just going to be sitting there on the bench? Uh, what do I do? And he's he's going to sit down with he'll, he'll sit down with Dean Smith. Dean Smith will advise him rightly, like me with what and he said, look, go along, go and play. You deserve to play. Uh, but he didn't, he, not even wanted to realise what Revy was going to do to me. Mm. And I don't think Dean Smith will ever, ever, I would like to know his views on what he felt about when he pulled Jack off because that wouldn't have happened at Aston Villa. Dean Smith would have said to him, go and finish them off for us. Like they did against Liverpool when they won 7-2. Yeah. Uh, if they were 3-1 up against Liverpool that time, I can't remember. Might have been 3-2. But... Where Southgate would have shut up shop at three two, Dean Smith says, you know, look, you know, we we've got Liverpool on the right day here. Let's go and get them. Through memories, Al, I think they went about four or five one up, and then I yeah. think Liverpool scored a goal. And I was watching the game with Tom, who's a massive Aston Villa supporter, and um, at seven two, with I think four minutes added on, and there were three minutes in there. He said, I think they might win now. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that just sums up a football supporter and how they look at it. And, you know, it's lovely watching a game pretty much as a neutral and just watching it for what it is, a game of football, because you watch it in a completely different way and you get so much more enjoyment out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it is, is you know, the great example of uh, Dean Smith and, Jack Grealish, you know, to beat Liverpool 7-2, which yeah. was in... That told you that the, the pandemic had, had arrived and it was going to be a crazy season. But not only that, it told you that um, this wasn't going to happen again at a national level. Yeah. It was... Uh, you know, he had, so many, he had so many opportunities uh, to do that himself. You know, the Ukraine game, he had the fantastic... You know, they scored early on. Yeah. They, they were 3-0 up. He had a fantastic opportunity to say to Harry Kane, now, come on, go and get four or five goals here. Get get, get further upfield. Because you knew that the other team were not going to score one. They weren't going to score two. They definitely weren't going to score three. It was in, They were in an impossible position in Ukraine. As hard as they fought, they just weren't good enough. And there was a great opportunity to say to Harry Kane, get forward and get hold of Go and win. The first thing I'd have done as manager, and I think Venables would have done it, and I think Bobby Robson would have done it, and had Harry Redknapp been manager, I think the first thing he'd have said to Harry Kane at 3-0 is get further forward and go and get that golden boot. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what you deserve. You've had a great... You know, you're in... You've just been... You're, you're, you're talking to town in the transfer market. If you go and get four or five goals now, you're going to go from 150 million to 200 million. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what happened to Shearer in 1996. And it could have happened to Jack, but instead of that, he's probably, his price is uh, devalued. Yeah. Again, Al, another case of if only England yeah. are most proud. <laughs> Come on, you're having a laugh. <laughs> well, they... they uh, uh, they, 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 they could have wrecked. Uh, they wrecked. They wrecked a few dreams. They had the opportunity. They don't get a chance to come to Wembley and be host of the tournament very often. And they had the opportunity here to do it, and they missed the opportunity. They miss the. Uh, the fans walked away disappointed. Uh, at least if they'd have got beat in 90 minutes and had a right go and, you know, I mean, Tony Curry was talking, uh, Mick Shannon was talking the other day about when England got knocked out against Poland. He said, we just couldn't do any more. We just, mm. they had a goalkeeper that saved everything. We had a record number of shots on goal. Uh, we couldn't have played any better for the players that they had on show. Uh, he said, and it just weren't to be that night. But the people that left the stadium that night knew they gave everything and they tried to score goals. Absolutely. Well, that that wasn't the case here. We never... For Harry Kane, to some of our old day, apart from Jack Grealish and our dislike to the manager, I think for Harry Kane not to have a shot in the final, I wonder what the book, what price the bookmakers would have given you for that. In, uh, it, it incredibly long odds incredibly yeah. long odds Al uh, when yeah. finally when's the podcast with TC and Mick Shannon coming out because I'm also doing another little side project uh, 100 games of England in the 70s because they are my favourite 10 years as a, as a football fan watching football in the 70s not just at club level but at international level as well um, and I'd love to have a chat uh, with Mike Shannon about his England years I have lined up a chat with Tony Curry about his England years so I want to get as many fat, uh, players of the 70s. So if there's anybody that that, that you know that would be willing to talk to me about those England years, please uh, pass me a number on Al. We've done, of course, Alan Hudson's England years, carpet bowls and bingo. <laughs> so that's, no, that's no. up as well. <laughs> That's no, turned me off. That I was going to go and play bowls and things. That turned me off. <laughs> I must admit, Al, I was watching the golf yesterday at Sandwich. I've never ever watched golf before. It's not my bag. It's not my game. But it, it was on the telly, and I, and I thought that looks an interesting course. That does. And uh, when you look at the skill levels in that, and then I'd gone out, done a bit of gardening, come back in, and darts were on. I thought oh, it's just it's incredible, isn't it? You've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. And I think going back to England, you look at the seventies, you look at our Mavericks, you look at the sublime, and now you look at what's gone on in the modern game, and you're back to the ridiculous again. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. Uh, you know, they say things go clockwise, but uh, I don't know where this clock stopped. It's um, the sad thing for the English game is now we, you know, the same man's going to run it, and he ain't going to change his ideas. He hasn't, he won't learn from anything that went wrong. Uh, so it's no good you coming through if you're centre forward and yeah. thinking I'm going to, you know, I'll be a great inside forward and think uh, I want to play for England. You better go and have a blood test and hope that you got other uh, another nation inside you because you won't get a game for England. It's as simple as that. And I said it, I wrote it the other day that Jack should have had a blood test. Like like uh, Mateo said about um, the other kid that played um, played in the um, Bundesliga, he said how he's not playing for England, I don't know. Yep. 
And if they don't I want him, pronounce his name, yeah, yeah, he's, he said so if they don't want him, tell him to get a German passport and we'll have him because we're looking for good players like that. Well, you know, that says it all. And that's what Jack should have done, really. Yeah. Well, he had uh, the opportunity, then he Ireland, but then chose England, uh, same as Declan Rice. But, uh... Well, uh, yeah, yeah, with Declan Rice, you know, <laughs> he's... Uh, but, um, no, it's like, it would have been like going back to the Jack Charlton days, wouldn't it? With, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Jack, Jack would have been on the phone as he was manager of Ireland and said, Jack, look, I've got some news for you. You're not going to get picked by Southgate. Yeah. Why don't you join the Irish Revolution and I'll get you to the World Cup and you'll be our main main player in midfield. And Jack Charlton would have changed that. Yeah. It'd have been different because he had a different outlook. He played with Bremen and Giles for so long. He knew a good midfield player, and uh, and in Brady he had one in New Ireland. And he, had he been alive and well today and in, in charge of up the Irish team, Jack would be playing for Ireland now. Absolutely. Al, it's been an absolute blast. Another wonderful hour and a half this time, mate. But uh, we will reconvene within the next couple of weeks because we've got My Life, My Music, Part 17. So start thinking about six tracks. Uh, Although we can't play it on the podcast, we put it uh, on a Spotify playlist because of copyright rules. But uh, we love talking about the uh, good old days. And more trips down memory lane, mate. Yes, look forward to it, mate. We we don't have to talk about Southgate then. No, Southgate's gone. Well, I wish he had. <laughs> so I'm even going to go right to the uh, London Underground, ask them to ch- uh, close that station down. It is. They do listen because in the 30s it was Gillespie Street Station, I believe, and Herbert Chapman made them change the name to Arsenal Street. So there is precedence. It has been done before. Good luck with that. I'm right behind you. That's, that's that's my next move. <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a petition up, Paul. Yeah, I'll sign it as soon as you get it. I'll sign it, mate. No danger there. will be number two name on it. <laughs> All right, mate. Cheers, Monday. Speak soon. Cheers, Al. Thank you. And thanks for listening, guys. Ta-da, Abby. Bye.